Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra, where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. As you may know, the cellular infrastructure business has been in the news for more than a year now, for many reasons, ranging from national security to the lack of 5G supply chain diversity, possible solutions to address those issues, and so on. All of this put a lot of emphasis on something that was already happening in the industry, but at a much lower speed pace, I would say, the network virtualization. As many would know, the core network has been fully virtualized for some time now. According to some estimates, almost 50% of the core network deployments in 2020 were expected to be fully virtualized. When you look at the radio network part, or the RAN part, the story is a little bit different. The VRAN or the virtual RAN was mostly talk and small deployments and trials here and there till very recently. But with the success of Rakuten in Japan and the emphasis of expanding 5G supply chain, diversity is giving a virtual RAN and open RAN a big push. Some might even call this a little bit of a market hype as well. For example, if you listen to or open any trade publication, uh, you would not uh, miss discussion of open RAN and virtual RAN for sure. To discuss the uh, current status of virtualization and open RAN, uh, we have a special guest from the company that has been providing the underlying architecture and solutions for the industry. I'm talking about Intel here and our guest is Caroline Chan, VP and uh, GM of 5G infrastructure division at Intel. Caroline, welcome to Tantra's Mantra show. Thanks for coming over. No, thank you for having me. So you're here to ask me to talk about my favorite topic. I'm all in, definitely. Oh, perfect. So we are in for a treat then. So uh, Intel is a very large company and and I think you've been there for a long time now, right? Uh, Could you briefly explain to our uh, audience uh, your journey at Intel and what specific part of the business you are currently leading? Yeah, this is my 11th year in Intel. It's been a while. For the last 10 years, I've actually been focusing on driving network virtualization, network transformation, all the way down to the RAM business. As you said, the network as a whole, especially around the wireless piece, I've been in this business for a long time. I used to work in a system house. I used to work for a company called Nortel Networks. So we've been building systems for a single purpose, which is to drive the best spectrum efficiency. 2G, 3G, 4G, and more or less being the same way. But as you could, you could tell, Prakash, the fortune of a operator, you compare that to the people that provide the software, the applications, the clouds, you know, the the Googles, the Facebook, the, the Ubers and so on. People that really live on the wireless network that's been built. But if you look at their profitability, the, the return of investment, it's not proportional. The more and more you see that the network, yes, it needs to provide the best spectral efficiency, but it also needs to provide the underlying compute engine to carry a lot of these applications, to share some of the, the revenue that's, that's coming in, to, to, to share, to participate in the type of innovation that has been driving on top of the network. So having recognized that Intel 10 years ago started thinking that we got to start driving the compute platform 
all the way down to the signal processing side for the radio SSL, which is the really the last frontier. The difficulties of driving the amount of latency that you need to do signal processing, the predictability to answer to interrupt really becomes a key factor problem that we have to solve. So I've been leading a team starting small and start driving a reference architecture, and now it become a legitimate business under execution. So we started the, the whole, we call flex RAN, flexible RAN, and, and become virtual RAN. Now it's this whole old RAN movement that really started take, taking place. My role now inside Intel is to leverage all of these virtualized cloud native network out there, really start taking that to the next space, which is what we can do with all these. Can we take this into enterprise? Can we drive more uh, private networks? And can we drive more innovations on top of it? I think last earlier this week, we, I just gave a, uh, a conversation around 5G and blockchain <laughs> with our uh, customers in India. How what is if blockchain becomes a, intertwined with 5G? Because the fact that 5G drives a lot of the, the, the speeds and feeds and the, the latency, and more so because now 5G really start entering into the enterprise. Because as you see, the, the public blockchain and private blockchain is still has a gap between private blockchain is the one that we see them has, has the most uptake. So my job's been fun, Prakash, and I've been really enjoying it. And it's really the leverage 5G to do more and drive more application, drive more innovation. So in a long way, I'm trying to answer why I, I love coming to work every day. Perfect. Very nice. And that's exactly what, what we are going to discuss today. So in your view, what is the current state of open RAN and virtual RAN in terms of landscape? What is the current status and where it is headed? So as you uh, you say so eloquently at the beginning, the core network is definitely at the forefront of virtualization. We agree with you that 50% or so is being virtualized. And we fully anticipate that the percentage will go much higher. VRAN, open RAN actually started to take hold. We just, uh, I think you alluded to, we just made an announcement with DISH early this week. We have been working with Rakuten, and even we actually have large-scale discussions around the world. Verizon just made an announcement that they had a pilot on their virtualized 5G network. It's at the beginning of the journey, but it is going beyond the lab beyond just a trial. For example, in the Rakuten case, the virtualized LT is already rolled out. And in Japan, they already have a few million customers on it. And they just started, uh, kicked off their 5G network. Uh, you see them on the news. So I would say that there are few, green few and brown few already started. We heard Vodafone UK announce. And then also Deutsche Telekom has made an announcement earlier this year with us and VMware. We see the momentum rolling. So if I were a betting person, I would say that in the next two, three years, you will see significant rollout started coming in as 5G spectrum becomes more widely available, as C-band, the massive MIMO, really started taking hold. I'm very confident, although we're at the beginning of the journey, but the journey will, will go at a much faster pace. Okay, perfect. So, so I hope you brought your crystal ball today. Uh, any any forecast on when, if at all, 
this will be mainstream like you know while the operators adopting it as a mainstream solution my crystal ball is sometimes can't be broken but <laughs> I, I, i never shied away from from making a prediction look you've been in telco business as long as i have this is a very long tail market people don't go and rip and replace easily usually new technology new architecture gets rolled out when there are new spectrum becomes available so i think in a large sense it will be relying on the the rapid uh, rollout of 5g and when the spectrum become available so i would say myself is that you see significant rollout starting in probably 2022 time frame because we see more spectrum become available especially around cbrs and then the next phase will be you started to become a de facto so meaning that OEMs around us really figure out how to put all the Lego boxes together. Remember when you talk about open rent, you are talking about multiple pieces you have to put it back together. We're still in that little, you know, somebody had to come in and put this Lego together. In the past, for example, my own employer, Nortel, would be the one that put everything, rolled out everything, be responsible for the entire network. In the future, there will be a role that come into play. You start seeing more software and hardware that's pre-integrated to come into the space and makes it a little more easier, more consumable. Given the fact that we just saw Ericsson just announced their CloudRan program based on Intel, when you see industry leaders like Ericsson start talking about it, because that actually came out in their press release, it gives you the confidence that we have now finally got coming, you know, going through that hockey stick, right? You started coming up the little hockey stick. So I'm confident in three, five years, you you will see this become one of the uh, major trends being deployed. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at the last holdouts like Ericsson, which was, you know, resisting so far to talk about open and virtual RAN, they coming out, I think that is something, right? That clearly shows it's not just hype, it's, you know, something uh, of a trend, right? Yeah. A trend comes from having the demand, the pool from the operator, but also have the supply chain become much more mature. Yeah. So, so you know, when we talk open and virtual RANs, we almost talk in as synonyms. But there are two different concepts as such, right? Open RAN and virtual RAN. But I think their fate is linked together. If one happens, the other happens and vice versa. I've asked this question to a few people, but you know, everybody has a different opinion. What do you think? Are they, are they linked together? Or do they happen you know, parallel at the same time? Or one happens, the other comes a little bit later? How are you seeing in the market? We see virtualized RAM be essential for the open RAM because once you virtualize it, that means you separate out the software and hardware really becomes one of the enablers for open RAM. What is open RAM? Open RAM means that you have open interfaces. You can interoperable with each other. You're not doing a single vendor delivering the entire system. So we do see that virtualized RAM is an enabler of open RAN or OREN. At the same time, you, you, you will have the traditional RAN that's in place. Uh, we don't see that going away. We still see that will continue to be rolled out because there will always be the need for that. We do see the two trend coexist. It's, it's not one or the other, but gradually as, as the VRAN, open RAN market become more mature, we'll see that being uh, growing at a much faster pace. 
Okay. Very well. There could be initially big operators are a little bit you know, hesitant trying you know, new things as such in a large way. Maybe they will do virtualization, for example, with a single vendor. The interfaces could be open, but you know, not to complicate too many things at the same time, they might virtualize, go with a single vendor. Others might look at open up, have multiple vendors, but not you know, take a traditional route. So do you see any of that happening uh, when you talk to operators? Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I think precisely what you just described, uh, there'll be operators who prefer to be virtualized because it desegregated the hardware and software, give them a, a much faster innovation cycle. They can pick and choose the, the cloud skill hardware platform to pair with their uh, software vendors. But it, it is single vendor delivering all, all of it, but it's virtualized. And, and then the, on the other side, you see Dish, for example, they just announced a the first all ran compliant 5G network in the United States. You see the, the vendor list that they announced. It is uh, completely open based on the ORAN spec, right? They have announced two uh, software vendors, Mavenier and Ultrastar. They've announced Intel, and they've also, in the same release, they mentioned that they've been working with the multiple hardware OEMs. And then they, they announced uh, different parts of the uh, software being going to different uh, vendors. So that is the ultimate ORAN spec, right? They're complying with ORAN spec, but it, it takes a lot of work. And they can do it because there is a, it's a greenfield environment. And they're starting from scratch, investing tremendously into the ecosystem. So you will see that little bifurcation because the operators do take different pace to, to get to the same place. But ultimately, eventually, just like any new technology, you'll take a few years to work out the kinks and it will be there sooner or later. So we're confident the trend is the right trend and we will be there in a few years. Perfect. And we'll talk about uh, Greenfield versus Brownfield and what you need a little bit later. Congratulations on the uh, DISH deal. I think that is an important development. And they picked up your FlexRAN, Xeon processors and accelerator and networking adapter. So I think that was great for you guys, for sure. And many of open RAN networks or VRAN networks as well run on FlexRAN and you know your processors. Could you give us a high-level view of all the things that Intel offers for virtual and open RAN. And uh, talk a little bit more about your recent announcement that uh, you did a few weeks ago, the newer version of Flex RAN and the accelerator and such. And that is second and third. Talked about a little bit of Dish. Any more you, color you could add to that, that would be great as well. Sure. I don't want to bore everybody, so let me just up level a little bit because not everyone likes to hear all the silicon. But generally, the way that we go to market is um, uh, we provide a reference design. So FlexRAN, in a nutshell, is a LTE and 5G reference software that optimize based on the Intel platform. And underneath it, we provide the CPU, we provide the accelerator, FPGA and EASIC, we provide the uh, connectivity, so like the NIC car. We also provide some the storage piece as well. So we put together a reference hardware, a reference software, we benchmark the performance for based on different core profile. We make it easier for people to consume and adopt. Uh, we provide support to our software ecosystem to optimize and commercialize our reference software 
together with us, they support interoperability testing with remote radio unit. We also have FPGA division. We call them Programmable System Group, PSG. They provide reference design for open RAN compliant radio unit. So if you look at it, we really truly are the one that provides all the end-to-end portfolio for a 5G network. That just described in the VRAM piece. We all, of course, we provide data plane acceleration, DPDK. We provide the 5G core network. We actually one of the major silicon platform suppliers in 5G core. We have our smart edge division, which provides commercial-based software that actually uh, hosting the applications on the edge. We have OpenVINO. These are from our IoT group for edge analytics. There's actually quite a few more. I don't want to bore you, but if you look at the overall holistic portfolio, Intel goes from silicon platforms to commercial software to reference software. So really cover you from the radio to the RAN to the core, as well as allow the vertical focus software. Altogether, what we like to do is helping the ecosystem adopt the technology faster. You, we don't want to give you a bag of silica, say, go build a system. We want to be there with you as you build a system, as you optimize the system. So one last thing I want to say is because I, I talk so much about innovation. We know that 5G requires uh, the innovation piece. So we actually partner with T-Mobile, with Microsoft, with Dell, VMware, and MDOS to form an innovation team called 5G Open Innovation Lab up in Seattle for a very specific reason. We want to attract the developers who traditionally write applications for the cloud and for the enterprise to write, to adopt that for 5G, to leverage the 5G in order to the characteristics, the low latency, the high bandwidth to develop applications. So that was kicked off and twice a year, we'll have a cohort of early to midlife startup that come through. T-Mobile provide them with a 5G network. We Intel actually committed to provide them uh, with the resources to help them develop their applications to uh, leverage the underlying compute platform. That has gone very, very well. I was uh, really, really pleasantly surprised the response we get from the market space to uh, use a lot of these uh, startup applications. As far as our latest uh, FlexTran software, we actually just added uh, the release 16. We also added a time-sensitive network to this because the next step, as I mentioned, is that the 5G is going to go into verticals. When we go into verticals, go into enterprise, we adopt our reference software beyond just was talking in telco. We had to take some of the, uh, uh, the enterprise use cases as well. Yeah, perfect. So, you know, a couple of points that I want to highlight as mentioned, I think with disaggregation of software and hardware, that opens up this huge ecosystem, right? You don't have to be a $10 billion company to enter into the telecom market. So you could be a small software developer, then you have access to that market now and bring your innovations, which I think is really great. And also, you mentioned about the accelerators and such. So I saw in your recent uh, announcement, you had accelerators for FEC and others. 
with a lot of new applications, especially industrial IoT and mission-critical services coming in with very low latency. Do you see more hardware accelerators being introduced wherein you're offloading or latency-sensitive applications and stuff like that moved on to accelerators or... That's always a possibility as uh, we, we're constantly uh, evaluating the, the market requirements as well as a competitive pressure to look at that. But at the same time, let's not forget that Intel CPU is constantly evolving. We will be adding a lot more features and functions into, into the CPU. We're very confident that the, as we evolve, the next generation ETL CPU will be able to handle many of these workloads. Accelerator is always an option that, that we can add in, just like we're introducing the EASIC beyond FPGA. So basically take the RTL and, and harden it. And, and that's our, we actually did an acquisition about two years ago, a company called EASIC. Uh, so that is part of our portfolio. Too. So we actually have many tools that we can leverage, FPGA, EASIC, putting some, uh, creating new instruction set, putting some of the uh, acceleration directly into our die. Given the, the wide portfolio that Intel has, I'm very comfortable. I'm very confident, I should say, that we'll be able to answer to as the market requirements evolves. Okay, perfect. So now... Uh... You know, coming back to greenfield versus brownfield, right? For greenfield opportunities, you know, as it's been evident through Rakuten and what Dish is doing, it's kind of pretty apparent that it makes sense for them to go start with open and virtual RAN from day one. But for brownfield operators, you know, who have large networks to run, huge customer base that they cannot, you know, touch the user experience and such, how cautious you think they are what is the roadmap if you will they are looking at in terms of bringing vran and oran into their networks any views there and so Prakash, you may or may not know that i'm actually sits on the tip board and the board with intel there's uh of course facebook but there's also all the the, the profit operator uh, you, you know dt yeah vodafone uh, uh telefonica bt so on so we constantly have have discussions around it the interest level is is actually very high so recently verizon announced that, that they're adopting a virtualized red cloud native red into India 5G network, naming Samsung and Intel as part of the uh, ecosystem. So that is a print gives a very good sign that this can be done. Yes, they will. They will be cautious. Yes, they need to make sure the user experience matches. But as they get into new spectrums, like. That's why I'm very excited about CBIs. I'm very excited about the, the C-band that's coming to auction 2021. As they get a new spectrum, there's an overlay layer that can always come in. I think we just said earlier this week, Vodafone UK announced that they will be uh, rolling out open rent, or they announced a, a lot of the UK markets can go to open rent as uh, they need to, to comply with the new rules and regulation to remove certain vendors from the network, and they will move that into open rent. So you, you do see that coming. They will have to do more testing. But absolutely, yes, in the tech level, in fact, the Vodafone has gone publicly say that. DT has announced Oran City earlier this year that they will set up a 5G Oran City in Germany to, to test this out. So I'm probably the, the, a very optimistic person in nature, but I do see the signs 
the point of that, and I see the technologies pointing to that, the fact that having uh, Samsung, Nokia, Ericsson all partake in this gave you the level of confidence that legacy network could be evolved and will be evolved into the open RAN space. Uh, having said that, Intel does provide ASICs in network, in wireless network, 4G and 5G. We continue to see that market grow because the, I think the market is big enough to support more than one type of uh, deployment model. Yeah, true. Agreed. You mentioned about private networks. I think that would be another interesting option, you know, with CBRS, Spectrum and such. Basically, are using new Spectrum and new use cases, new customers probably. They could try this new architectures there, get their hands dirty, get convinced themselves that they can deliver the service level and the efficiencies that are promised with open and virtual architecture, and then slowly bring that into their mainframe network, right? So I think most of the private networks, correct me if I'm wrong, would be virtual and uh, open, at least virtual for sure, when they start doing them, right? Yeah, we're seeing that. Seeing an active discussion, especially around the private enterprise network, because if you look at that, they serve a different audience, right? They're serving... Many times it's answering to the CIOs. And this for the CIOs, IT side, cloud is imminent. I mean, that's what they deal with. They are less concerned about uh, the radio performance than about the business results. So as to give them the business results, you cannot get away from automation, <laughs> easy to provision, right? And for them, it's really about compute and, and storage and manageability and automation. As we see both the type of people that bidding for CBRs, of course, you do have the Dish and the Verizon and the cable company, but you see a large number of oil and gas companies and retailers. I'm actually just recently joined the board of RCI, Rural Cloud Initiatives. We're setting up precision agriculture in North Dakota. We're setting up a, a greenhouse in the middle of Idaho. All of these, the connectivity becomes the means to the end, not the end. The end is to grow more vegetables more in, in an organic way and to, to generate a better result for our farmers and a secured uh, food supply chain. If you look at that, the business result trumps everything else. So we start treating the communication problem as an IT problem. And that's when the cloud, the, uh, the virtualization, the compute, the innovation, the application really come in. And that's why the 5G open innovation, when we started a year and a half ago, we never thought it took off so fast. And now we're seeing the type of companies coming in to want to participate in the 5G ecosystem is way beyond what we ever imagined. The people I'm talking to now, it's like, ooh, where did you come from? But it's, it is... It does make this industry a lot more promising than it used to be a somewhat narrow ecosystem that I, I grew up in, right? It's funny, when I was working in Norte, I, I deal with Qualcomm and I deal with you know just a, a few limited number of people. But now you're working with people that does logistics, precision agriculture, you know? So totally different, the car companies. So yeah, it may, makes my job a lot more interesting for sure. I fully agree with you that the ecosystem expansion that has happened with 5G is enormous. 
And I think uh, open RAN and the disaggregation of software and hardware is coming at the right time as well. You know, 5G and uh, virtualization feed on each other and, you know, make the whole ecosystem much larger. The overall size of the pie is tremendously expanding. Bigger, bigger. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that we have to do that. If we don't do that, 5G ROI is never going to live up to its promise, right? We talked about beyond the mobile broadband. We, we talk about your LLC. And this has to happen. Otherwise, you know, where, where's the application going to come from? What do you do? Talk about your LLC, you to serve industry, for example. Where does the application going to come from if you don't make it open? So Exactly, exactly. And also, I think, you know, especially when you look at markets like India, where ARPU is so low, if you are looking to get money out of your 5G investments right from cellular services with only that ARPU, that's never going to happen. So you have to look at value-added services and try to make money as an operator rather than just uh, selling a dumb pipe, right? Yeah, and, and by the way, Geo does very well. Geo platform is very profitable. So there is a path to to do that yeah yeah exactly it's a classic example of how you can make money even with such a low arpu market right exactly they made more money than a lot of other companies in the high arpu area exactly yeah <laughs> so another related subject to that is about edge cloud especially with your llc private network a lot of on-prem systems and such happening i think that's another major trend as well there's so much more towards edge cloud versus centralized cloud of course you need both but there's much more happening in the edge than earlier. Before it was all on cloud, but now there's so much focus on the edge as well. Yeah, and that's probably the next, um, the big investment area you're going to see. 5G investment, obviously, right now, it's 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 tremendous. People are going to put in money and build out a network. But once the network built out, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to use it? Because the pervasive connectivity means that the edge becomes much, much closer to you. Like if you look at what AWS and Google, typically they do what 40 and 70 data centers can cover the United States. But when you talk about edge, that's multiplier of that, right? So you see a lot of colo companies that are coming in, right? Data Bank just made a huge announcement, made a big acquisition investment come in. And that's because the edge is ever more pushing, like truly now, to the edge, over the edge. You see the investment going to Colo, Edge Cloud, uh, and you're going to rural area. That's why we're so interested in getting into the rural cloud initiative because we do see that as the next frontier, right? What what does this current crisis taught us? Healthcare needs to be going into telemedicine. Education becomes remote. AR, VR is no longer just for you to, it's more than a game. It's part of the education now. It's part of the training. So when you look at that, where does that, that means the cloud is ever, ever get closer to you. So the whole edge cloud is inevitable. And they and 5G really go hand in hand together. When you have edge cloud, you need connectivity. When you have connectivity, you need the cloud to make that compute work. So the, the, I would say the future, the two are completely married together. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, you know, another thing that we touched upon, which I said I'll come back to, is manageability of open and virtual RIA systems, right? I mean, if you're a new operator setting a new operation, then you basically start off, I want to keep everything open and everything virtualized with full disaggregation. You spend more time and energy and start from step one 
towards that, right? Which I think makes sense, which, you know, for greenfield operators, which they are doing. Now, looking back to the brownfield opportunities, right? One consistent theme that I've heard from them on talking about these disaggregated systems is one throat to chow, right? All of these operators are accustomed at the whole organization that they have, the skill set that they have, the kind of people uh, that they have is built around going to one vendor, maybe multiple vendors, but if you take one market, it is one vendor, hardware, software, deployment, optimization, troubleshooting, the whole thing from one vendor. If something goes wrong, I know which throat to choke, for example, right? But when you look at this full disaggregation, you have so many vendors, everybody doing a little part of their own to make the thing happen. And you design it on paper, all of this looks perfect. Everything works from standards perspective, from open interface perspective. But being in the field, we know right the moment rubber hits the road, you start deploying, then you know there are interoperability issues, there are bugs, there are issues that need to be addressed, there are things to be better developed, better interwork, and so on, right? And then the current whole operating model is not really built to address that. How do you think this thing evolve? In my view, operators have to redefine themselves, the whole organization structure, skill set, what they want to do and what they will do based on how they want to bring this in, right? What are your some high-level thoughts? I mean, it's a big subject, but I think that is a, a key ingredient for faster adoption. At the same time, a key challenge that a lot of people are not really seeing right now. No, I, I, um, I maybe... I, I take a slight different view to this. And when you see the cloud native network that we are, this is an example, and we've seen that now with uh, with, with Rakuten. It, it, the system is, the network itself is, is automated. They actually use, use less uh, network engineers than a traditional uh, legacy network because the, 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 the nature of a software-driven network is automation. If you look at the server, like uh, Dell, HP, or Qantas server, they traditionally goes into the cloud, in the, in, in the cloud service provider side. And their server platform actually comes in with a lot of different automation software telemetry that gets exposed up. You look at what Facebook and Google does with their, with their network. It's fully automated. So I think that degree of knowledge, the tools, actually gets brought in to the to the cloud native network. Uh, I would really suggest you if you look at some of these, uh, uh, the, the talks that uh, the Rakuten CTO Tariq Amin has been given, he would I, I, I read some of these, and of course, I, I, I we do have a close contact. We talk, we do talk to them a lot. He really emphasized automation as the as the one. So instead of relying on a a single vendor to provide all of the management, you relying on the tools. You relying on how the cloud is being run today. You can't say, you know, no matter how large our wireless network is, it doesn't compare to what AWS and Google have their network. And how do they run their network? That is a lot of learnings that us on the telco side can take. So I'm optimistic. I've seen things being worked because I've been involved in the Rakuten for a while and I see how things are evolving in, 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 in DISH. And I'm and also, if you look at TIP, we actually put a, a huge emphasis on network automation. 
there's a dedicated work group to solve through that. Don't forget, there's a machine learning now going into the network. There's an AI going to the network. More and more, you will see less and less manual intervention. You see more and more automation the way it should be. So I'm actually confident that this is we are on the right trend. Yeah, true. So yeah, same. Looking at what you know, Rakuten has done, what Dish is doing. So if you look at their operations versus a typical telco operator, existing telco operator. They are more working like a cloud company and the hardware is basically kind of, you know, bare metal as such. Uh, and then all of the development, all of the value they bring is in the software side, right? So, but uh, which means, you know, uh, a Verizon or an AT&T running these networks will be, will, will have to do those automation software development, you know, they have to be more a cloud company and a software company than than what they are now, which is mostly hardware. They do a lot of software, but it's mostly hardware kind of focused company, right? They let all the complications be done by the vendors. They kind of move more on managing the stuff, right? Which which is what I'm talking about. They have to transform in themselves into more of a cloud company, right? Yeah, you actually see that already. If you look at um, uh, both Rakuten and Dish, they've actually... Uh, reimagine themselves as a cloud company rather than a a, a, a wireless company, a, a telco. So I so I, I would say the entire industry is probably trending that way. Yeah. So which means Verizon's and AT&T's, they basically have to transform themselves. I mean, Rakuten started that way and Dish, because it's starting afresh, it's much easier. But I do see a challenge. I think that will decide who will win and lose. Whoever can quickly transfer themselves to this new reality will be the winner. And at the same time, now these networks are becoming like uh, IT networks now, right? So there is a clear role for a system integrator uh, rather than just being one vendor. This is one vendor who works across the board, brings all systems together and make it work, right? So I see emergence of this new players in telecom world, which, which is already in IT world right now, system integrators. These could be like the same vendors that they are. They transform themselves to be the system integrator, not just suppliers. Or they could be existing IT established uh, players like, you know, be it, uh, HP, IBM and others basically taking this as another vertical or another industry for their, you know, system integration work and such. Do you see any movement in that sort or w- what are your views? Not specifically about the companies, but the overall structure on how the networks deployed, managed, and optimized. I definitely see that. I think because of the entire industry is transforming, because of roles and responsibility are shifting. You know, I definitely see that. I, but um, to be honest with you, I don't know where they're gonna end end up and who will be the winner in in this. Um, but I think there is a redefinition of roles in, in uh, you know what traditionally what you do as a, a system house is now changing. You may be just focusing on software, you may be just uh, you, you may want to provide the management services. Or if you look at some of the roles at Accenture, aside Accenture and Tema and they they might be taking on a different role as well. Because we are somewhere in the in the uh, first phase of a reshuffling. So people probably are free and looking at well what what chairs do I want to take? Do I want to take two chairs and three chairs rather than my traditional, you know, this this is a chair you're sitting in and don't need that. People are being moving around a little bit. So you, you're right. I, I do see that. 
Okay. So I want to end with an interesting question. Feel free to address it and answer it as much as you can or as less as you can. You know, we started uh, the the podcast with issues with one diversity in uh, 5G infrastructure. And then we addressed that, you know, we talked about how the ecosystem itself is expanding and there are less barriers to entry. Many, many big and small companies are entering the telecom ecosystem, which is great. And another uh, related challenge was national security concern that kind of, you know, helping this as well. So with this much of expanded ecosystem, that I think will uh, calm some of the nerves of the people who are concerned about national security and uh, vendor diversity, right? Any view on that? This is a topic I don't really have a strong view because this really varies from country to country. Vendor diversity is always good. A larger ecosystem is always better for any kind of market space. So I don't necessarily see how is that national security tied up. Any countries can and should want it to be self-sufficient region. So you know, make sure that I have my own ecosystem. It's not just for security, but a lot of times it's for economic reasons and to drive innovation in my own uh, society. We see that in U.S. being has a pretty vibrant open RAN ecosystem. We'll see that in Europe that will come up because, like you said, now the barrier entry is lower. People can focusing on doing software or management software or automation software. You will see many of the software vendors coming in, in addition to the hardware vendors benefit from it. So generally, a diverse ecosystem typically is good for, for the market space. Whether it's a national security related or not, I'll let the politicians decide. <laughs> okay. That's a good way to put it. And then I think the <laughs> the, the economics uh, point that you bring is important as well. It's not just security. Yeah. You want to make sure. Job sec- yeah, yeah, job creation, right? That's, that's always the concern. Yeah, yeah, you have enough, uh, not only have local vendors, but enough jobs created. And yeah. and they benefit from the prosperity that uh, technology like 5G can bring to the region. Yep, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. excellent. That was my last question. I think we covered a lot of ground. Any final comments or uh, things that we think we missed uh, in the discussion? No, I don't think so. I think generally very positive about what's happening in 5G and what's happening in the network transformation space and excited to see when 5G goes into the verticals and enterprise. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, Thank you very much for all the information and insights. Really exciting stuff. I really appreciate you coming uh, on to Tantra's Mantra. Hope to see you back soon on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Uh, that's it for now. Hope uh, it was informative and you found it to be useful. If you did, please hit that subscribe button down there. I'll be back soon with another episode, putting light on another interesting uh, tech subject. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>